Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Brian Liu, co-founder of LegalZoom, an online legal document service for consumers and small businesses. LegalZoom helps visitors form corporations, file patents, trademark a name, create a last will or living trust without the fees associated with hiring a lawyer. Brian started LegalZoom in 2000 after working as a lawyer at Sullivan and Cromwell in Los Angeles. Brian is a graduate of UC Berkeley, Phi Beta Kappa, and UCLA Law School. Welcome. Thank you. How does LegalZoom work? We came up with this idea because we knew that for a lot of really common legal needs, you really can do this without a lawyer and with just finding the information online. So we created a service where you can go online and you can take care of things on your own. You know, you used to have to go to law school for three years to try to figure this stuff out, and it was in a language you didn't understand. And now we simplify it so that everybody has access to that. What we're really trying to do at LegalZoom is democratize law. I read somewhere that 70% of Americans don't have a will. Yeah. And it just made me wonder, like, what percent of people do you think uh, don't have access to the legal system but now do because of online services such as LegalZoom? The American Bar Association always has has done studies like this in the past, and they say that about 50% of the people who have a legal need don't ever get it taken care of. And one of the main reasons they don't is because they just don't think they can afford an attorney. And that's what we're trying to overcome at LegalZoom mm-hmm. is we're trying to say, hey, look, if you really need help, you should go out and find it instead of doing nothing. I want to talk about how you came up with the idea for LegalZoom. Sure. Uh, you were working in the law and yeah. you met your co-founder, Brian Lee, uh, at law school right. at UCLA. Was he also practicing law at the time? Yeah, he was. We were both attorneys and we were kind of... I'll tell you the truth. We were kind of a little miserable. I <laughs> didn't, didn't really like our job. So we were coming up with different business ideas and trying to figure out our escape plan. And I remember seeing this, this magazine, and they advertised for something called We the People. I remember seeing that they had six offices and thinking, wow, if they're doing essentially paralegal-like work and they had six offices in Los Angeles, I thought there must be something there. The other thing is when you're working at the law firm, there's such a disconnect between what you're actually doing and what you thought you'd be doing. Like, you know, I got into law school and my parents said, like, you know, well, as soon as you finish law school, I'll finally get that will that mom's been bothering me for years about. Once I did graduate, I I had no idea how to do all this stuff. And I think I realized that I could put something together that really blended those needs. And people had a need. And everything from online stock trading to online travel was happening at that time. And we figured, why can't we do something similar for law? So did you and Brian start uh, working nights and weekends? uh, Or did you quit your jobs first? Talk to me about the mechanics of those early days. Well, Brian's story will be a little bit different from mine. He actually actually was the one who decided to quit first. But Mm -hmm. I still remember the first time we had our first VC meeting with a family friend. This was the first dot-com boom of late 1999-2000, and we thought we were going to get funded for sure. We thought $5 million funding, no problem. And our very first VC meeting was the day that the NASDAQ crashed like 20% in one day. VC being venture capital, yep. Yeah. And we showed up at 
family friend's office, knocked on the door, and he said, Brian, what are you doing here? I said, yeah, uncle, we, had, we scheduled this meeting weeks ago. And he said, Brian, don't you know it's over? And so we did what any uh, sensible uh, aspiring entrepreneurs would do at that time. We went to um, Benihana's across the street, <laughs> had dinner, had a f- couple of drinks, and said, well, what do you think? What should we do? I mean, we could still ask for our jobs back at this point. Mm-hmm. We could still beg. <laughs> we decided, you know what? We believe in this so much. And we said, no, we're just going to continue regardless. You decided to uh, go forward without raising capital initially, just yep. except for maybe from friends and family. That's right. Why was that a blessing in disguise not to have the capital? Oh, we raised $333,500. And the 500 was the best because we first started with like, well, you know what? At least $10,000 minimum. And then, okay, maybe 5000 And it got to the point where we were so desperate, somebody only gave us $500 and we took it. <laughs> but we were able to really utilize that money in just just the best ways that we could, then we didn't have room to waste. What were signs of early traction with LegalZoom? Uh, a sense that, hmm, you know what, this is actually resonating with people. Yeah. First couple weeks, well, you're just waiting for that first real customer. But the sign that I knew that we were on to something was on a Friday night. We were out at dinner. We got 10 orders for a particular document called a living will, a healthcare directive. 10 people throughout the country, I don't know where, but you know, this is Friday night and they've got nothing better to do than to make living wills on Friday. Wow, we're on to something. That's when I knew. You brought on board early in the company, uh, in addition to your co-founder, Eddie and Brian, uh, a lawyer by the name of Robert Shapiro, uh, who's famous or maybe infamous for leading the defense team of of the O.J. Simpson trial. Why did you think to contact uh, Robert, of all people? So we knew that we worked at some pretty good law firms and we were pretty good lawyers, but when it comes to something like this, you really need trust. You know, again, people didn't know us, but they certainly knew Robert Shapiro. They knew his reputation. And I think, you know, even after the trial, I think his reputation was very good, very positive. And we just needed somebody like that. Was there a sense that the trial was so controversial that his joining would bring controversy somehow? Of course, that was in the back of our mind, but we didn't really think of it that in the same way. I mean, it was really interesting if you saw what was going on with the O.J. Simpson trial when, when we were at, in law school at the time, because it was, it was very polarizing. Literally, half the students at the school were just like, you know, when they heard the verdict, it was just like, oh, that was awful. Not half, but a significant percentage, they were clapping. They were like, yes. So we knew that, I mean, there was some controversy around it, but the most important thing was that people believed. I, I mean, I think Robert Shapiro was seen as a very stand-up lawyer, and he's quite, quite good at what he does. What credibility did he ultimately lend to oh, the initiative in the early days? Fantastic! I mean, an incredible amount. I don't, I don't think Brian and I would have immediately or that quickly quit our jobs and left. 
unless if we knew that Robert Shapiro was on board. I mean, he really, he really was one of the uh, original founders. And when we launched, we had such a great publicity surrounding it, and it really added something to our own self-esteem as well. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Brian Liu, co-founder of LegalZoom, a company that helps consumers and small businesses prepare their own legal documents online. LegalZoom aims to save people time and money and make the legal process more more accessible to consumers and small businesses who otherwise might not have bothered with such documentation as a living will or a prenup agreement. You have faced a lot of legal hurdles from the bar associations mm-hmm. across, you know, several states, uh, stating that you are uh, there's unauthorized practice of law. Mm-hmm. So one way to address that has been to add legal advice to Legal Zoom right. um, by connecting visitors to lawyers around the country. That's correct. Can you describe that more? Sure. I mean, there was. we always knew that this would be something potentially that some of the uh, state bar associations wouldn't be happy with. But again, we, we were always pretty clear in our heads that we weren't really competition against attorneys. We weren't, quote, stealing business away from them. This is really about how do you increase access? How do you get more people the legal help that they need? So, you know, our early stage, our, our phase one, I'd say, or, or stage one was really about utilizing technology and creating self-help documents so that people can get, you know, fairly standard documents. And by the way, these same documents have been available for decades, either online where you can download it and for centuries through books. Now, what we're doing is combining the actual help from real attorneys, licensed attorneys, and combining that with the document automation platform that we have and creating a more full service. And that's really what we always imagined. You ultimately did raise venture capital from firms like Kleiner Perkins and Institutional Venture Partners and yep. Polaris. Right. Can you talk to me about some of those uh, meetings? They were tense, I'll tell you. They were very tense meetings. <laughs> you worked so hard to get to that point. What what was tense ab- about those meetings in, in particular? Uh, without getting into all the details, there was a lot of argument over whether we should take these additional fundraising rounds. And, mm-hmm. and one person said no, and then we had to figure out a way to actually make it happen, even though mm-hmm. they technically had a veto right. So we, we looked around until there was a structure that kind of circumvented that. And it required a little bit of um. A little bit of a push. The appeal to uh, these VCs was that you were disrupting an industry. What was it about LegalZoom in 2006 or 2007 do you think that didn't appeal to them in 2000, aside from the macro economy improving, although this is before 2008? I'll, I'll, frankly, they couldn't envision something in, you know, in the business of law working. They didn't see how it could scale. Mm-hmm. And it's very different now. I mean, I think at last time I looked, there were over 600 startup legal companies hmm. in different aspects of the legal space, of course, but over 600 on Angel's List. It's striking how, you know, the word law lawyer makes you want to yawn yep. a, a little bit, yet they're dealing with the most, like, base human needs and and emotions, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, dealing with divorce forms and prenuptial agreements and privacy matters. I mean, what have you learned about just behavior of people? <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? I, 
this might be, you know, the technical business and what we do might be words on paper, but that's not really what we're doing. We're really helping people in times of need. I'll give you one example. One time, a long time ago, when we were starting out, we actually did an investor pitch with somebody who had a terminal disease, and she was going through the living will process. We did it, you know, kind of like walked her through it in real time and actually saw it. And I mean, it's just incredibly, incredibly emotional. Again, the the legal part of the legal documents, that's that's not hard. The decisions that people make in terms of you know, whether they want to be kept on life support, who their property goes to, th- those aren't legal questions. Those are personal questions. What hmm. are other examples? There's this Indian restaurant that I go to all the time. And one day I was talking to the, um, I don't know how I got started, I was talking to the owner. And I realized that he had just incorporated on LegalZoom, his restaurant business. And you know, we started talking about everything that was related to how he how he you know ran got this restaurant he was from Bangladesh and he came over there with his brother and they basically did everything they could to put their money into this one restaurant this business and now they have two restaurants and and just hearing the story which is that you know that that great immigrant and that great american dream story that that's what's really amazing because behind every business there is a, a tremendous story you uh, have helped to launch a company called Zenify, right. which is a beverage company, a, a so-called functional, be- functional <laughs> beverage. What yep. is a functional beverage? Um, it's a drink that, aside from just being a refreshing drink that quenches thirst, it, it has a function. And this particular function for Zenify is it's all about natural stress relief. What are the chemicals in it that cause the stress relief mechanism? It's got the same antioxidants as you find in green tea, but without the caffeine. What's L-theanine is one of the uh, ingredients? That's right. Is that the chemical that's in green tea, but right. uh, but without the caffeine in this that's drink? That's exactly it. That's, that's the antioxidant that you'll find in green tea. And GABA and glycine mm-hmm. is... It's from chamomile. Now, you seem like a, an active person yourself, like a, a, somebody who would drink Xenify, like you <laughs> exercise a lot. Sure. And what kind of exercise do you do? I'm, I'm a big surfer. That's, that's, that's my favorite thing. Um, but I also will train at the uh, Freddie Roach's Wild Card Boxing Gym, uh, the boxing club. It's just such focused intensity for a short period of time that it kind of, it kind of it focuses my mind, but it's also soothing and meditative at the same time. Do you meditate? I don't meditate, but I do on the surfboard <laughs> when I'm out when I'm out in the ocean on the weekends, usually by myself, and it's just so beautiful out there. It's like meditation. Why is it that you like surfing so much? Would you say? I think it's it's about. There's nothing like that feeling of being one with nature and being one with the wave. And uh, I can yell, go on, but then I'll just sound like a surfer, dude. <laughs> How did you get interested in surfing? You're from Taiwan and Seattle. Yeah, I I think it must have happened when I was young, visiting Hawaii one day. And I don't know what happened. I just got hooked. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted to live in L.A. Mm-hmm. just because I wanted to be close to the ocean. What do your parents do? 
my dad was um, he's in the shipping business so he was a captain he was one of the youngest captains of this particular fleet of merchant ships and uh, then he moved our family to Taiwan because he didn't want to always be away from the family because he was you know months at a time out you know on, on the ships so he found a uh, desk job and we actually you know we actually came from Taiwan to the US on on one of those boats. It took 30 days to get here. Yes, I mean, I've read a lot about being out at sea, these captains of these, you know, cargo ships. And right. What a lonely existence. Yeah, especially back then. I mean, it was, I mean, those ships were a lot smaller and, uh, and you were out for a, a long, long time. But at some point, at some point in time, he decided to start on his own and he got this little office. And I remember one thing he told me is that, you know, there were four desks there, and he was the only person there. And I asked him, well, what about all these other desks? What about all the furniture? And he said, you know, I bought all those desks. I bought, at that time, typewriters, no computers. He he bought the office equipment, didn't rent them, didn't lease them, because he said, you know, because I'm going to fill those up soon. Mm. And he started another shipping company? or Yeah, it was just an, as an agency. What was he shipping? Basically, it was, you know, containers, uh, anything that's exported from the U.S. over to Asia. Mm. He was one of the first people to charter a um, whole boat. This was such a long time ago, but we just started doing trade with China at that time. So he was one of the first people to actually do trades with China. I still remember because he was so early, we got invited to China once when we were really young. And we met, like, like all these really big, big, you know, Communist Party leaders, even Mao Zedong's like granddaughter or daughter or something. It was really, really pretty crazy. Did you grow up speaking Chinese in your home? I did. What was it like for uh, you growing up in Seattle, having had the first half decade of your life in Taiwan? Or were you too young to notice any I was, difference? I was too young, I think. Uh, but I met one of my great friends, best friends, Randy, who was my next door neighbor, we started our very first business together. What was the business? <laughs> we made these pins. We made these buttons. And it was um, during the height of the Michael Jackson craze. And we made these pins that says, I do not heart Michael Jackson. And we would go to these rock concerts. You know, we go to like, you know, these heavy metal rock concerts and start selling these these pins over there. It was really, that was, that was really fun. So your first business was selling, I don't love Michael Jackson pins. <laughs> right. Did you have a sense as you were growing up that you wanted to start your own businesses? I mean, also, you know, upon seeing your father or I, was... I think somewhere in the back of my mind that was always there because even when I went to law school, I, one of my very best friends, Brian Lee, who I started LegalZoom with, we met the first day of law school. And we kind of, you know, I think we connected because I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing here in law school? And I said, well, I don't know. What are you doing? Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you. My guest has been Brian Liu, co-founder of LegalZoom. If you would like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. From Scratch.